yet as human beings, what we are constantly doing for most of our lives for reasons which we can get into is we're constantly resisting life, resisting everything, resisting who we are, resisting our true essence, our true divinity. We're resistance machines. I, I think that there's so many misconceptions about surrender. Surrender is weak. Surrender is passive. That if you surrender, you're giving up. If you surrender, you're waving the white flag. If you surrender, you're going to be a doormat. You're going to be left behind. You have to sell everything and move to the Himalayas. Yeah. If you surrender, you're going to you're going to get less in life, and you won't manifest your goals. I'm actually saying, if you really understand the real essence of surrender, what if you didn't get less, but you got more? And so for me, this is the opportunity and the possibility of surrender. And that's why I say surrender is the real secret to manifestation. You're listening to the Elevated You podcast, and I'm your host, Kay Cote. I'm a speaker and advocate for anyone who's experienced being bullied. Being bullied in its many forms looks differently for all of us, yet the pain points are the same. This podcast exists to help us break free from the lies that we tell ourselves and turn your limiting beliefs into self-compassion and self-love. We often limit our own lives by putting conditions on them. We think things should go a certain way and when they don't, we feel disheartened and we hold on to what's not working in our lives. Coop Blackson is a transformational teacher and coach In his latest book, The Magic of Surrender, helps us elevate out of our old thought processes and into who we truly are. My hope is that you have the best takeaway ever from this episode. Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the US, so I feel like I'm from everywhere and nowhere simultaneously, which uh, is a blessing. Um, from a very young age, I, f- I was always a very empathetic kid. And so I would feel people very deeply. And there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate suffering in some way because I felt I was so sensitive to feeling people's pain. And I didn't know what that would look like. But um, a lot of folks have often said I had a bit of an unusual childhood. Um, for me, it's all I knew. So it didn't feel that different. Um, like my first memories as a young boy were seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up and call it a miracle. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear the same man who stands. She picked up, look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick. Stand up. Or look at someone who'd come in with crutches and he would say, why do you have these crutches? Like throw your crutches away. And so I grew up around miracles. And I think the blessing was it felt normal to me because I saw this stuff happening every day. Um, the same, this man who sent you picked up was my father. He had uh, 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. Uh, he was a very spiritual man, very uh, mystical man. So I was blessed to grow up in this, this kind of spiritual environment. Uh, hundreds of thousands of followers in Ghana, had a huge church in London where there were maybe four to 5,000 people every Sunday. And mm-hmm. so at age eight is when my speaking career began because uh, my father just threw me in the audience one day and said, speak. And so that's when things started. And uh, I started speaking age 14. I was ordained as a minister and I was given the mandate to take over my father's organization. Uh, I was 
designated the successor. Everyone was happy, hopes and dreams. And, you know, my entire life was basically set out for me by my father and scripted for me. But at 14, I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this was not my destiny. But I think like many of us, I was I was just too afraid to speak my truth. I was I my fear was if I spoke my truth, then I would lose my father's love. I'd be outcast, I'd be alone, uh, I'd be by myself, and I'd be without community. And so I think like many of us, I allowed fear to hijack my voice. I allowed fear to uh inhibit my expression and my freedom and my uh my truth. And so I said nothing for four years. I went along with it. But when I turned 17 and a half, 18, I realized I had certain decisions to make and I chose not to go to university and figured life had more to teach me. Uh, when I looked into my future, I saw that I could basically take over my father's church and be successful by the world standards. But if I didn't have myself and if I didn't have my own truth and if I didn't have my voice, if I didn't have my integrity, then what kind of success is that? You know, if I start lying to myself now to get love, validation, and approval from my father and everyone, I'm going to have to basically live this life for the rest of my life. And that felt incredibly painful. And so um, I made a decision, which was very difficult and very hard. And I think that's what shifted the trajectory of my life. I felt a calling in my soul to come to America. I felt a calling in my soul to go into this field of personal growth, personal development, um, there was a part of me that basically I would sneak into my father's office and on his bookshelf were literally thousands of self-help spiritual books. It's, uh, everyone from the Eastern mystics of Krishnamurti and Osho to the Western uh, people at like Wayne Dyer and Louis Hay and Deepak Chopra. And so as a kid, I became very um, obsessed with trying to with reading these books and trying to understand life. And so when I felt this calling in my soul, it felt undeniable that I wanted to go into the field of personal growth and inspire people and do seminars and write books. And, and so I felt like I didn't have a choice, basically, and I knew what I had to do. And so at a young age, I made a very, I think, courageous decision to speak to my father and renounced everything left everything behind. I really had to grieve the loss of a life, grieve the loss of a relationship with my father. And, uh, and we spoke and I told him. And we didn't speak for two years, which was tremendously challenging and very, very, very difficult. Um, but it felt right and it felt aligned and it felt true. Yeah, long story short, we had that conversation. I ended up winning. And I really believe that when you follow your soul and when you follow your deeper calling and your deeper truth, your soul will always guide you in the right direction, in the right place, at the right time, with the right people, even though the route that you might go on and the path you might take may not be the one that you most expect. Your story is incredible. And just like being at that young age, having to make that decision, I don't know how I would have done. So now you're on this path. What did you do next? I ended up winning a green card in the lottery, in a green card lottery. Wow. <laughs> and that's what enabled me to come to the U.S. Uh, two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, knew no one, and landed, uh, landed in Los Angeles following a dream. And went and found many of the teachers and the mentors and the authors I'd read about. 
and studied with some of them, went to some of the seminars, ended up a few years later traveling the world in search of more answers, went to Israel, went to Thailand with some monks, went to walk the Camino in northern Spain, ended up in India. And for me, it was my time in India that really transformed me from the inside out, kind of cracked me open to a whole new uh, level of understanding who I am, level of understanding my truth. And so that changed my life. And then I came back to the US and began working with people 20 years ago, one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, one person, this is before coaching was popular, like one person came, another person came, and it just grew and evolved and expanded and grew and evolved and expanded. Mm -hmm. And small groups, large groups, larger groups, and and, and two best-selling books. And here we are. So that's a small version of my story. That is incredible. And I just, it's so moving to hear that you, you, you did that and you took those risks and, and it's so true when we follow what our soul is telling us to do, it does lead us and it does show the way that yeah. we're supposed to go. I completely can resonate with that just in my own experiences lately in the last year. And I feel like that's the right people have been just brought onto my path and it sounds like the right people have been brought to yours and you were able to make things happen. That's really, that's really incredible. Yeah. And so you were here, you were working in LA and when did you get inspired to write your books? Because that's a huge undertaking to write. Yeah. Um, I think the first book, you are the one, uh, look, I always, you know, wanted to write books. So to, to, when I look back at the journey, I probably first started writing drafts of a book from 2004. And when I look back at the, the, the terrible drafts I wrote, I, I look back and kind of chuckle and laugh because I've grown so much. But I, I, I think I began to, to marinate on books and ideas for many, many years. Um, but I really believe that when you're, so, when you're ready and you're ripe, then the universe unfolds things from the natural, organic uh, ripeness of your being. And, and so I think many times we try to force life and we try to make things happen and we try to force things to be something that they're not and it doesn't really flow. And, and, and so uh, I remember in 2010 meeting with a self-help publisher and they said to me, Oh, wow, we've heard of these, you know, I built my coaching practice and clients from around the world. So it's kind of known for my one-on-one -on -one coaching methodology. And the, the, the publisher said, if you write this kind of book about your how you coach people, we will publish it. And I was so uninspired by the vision that I said no. And I had the courage to say no when everybody was telling me, take the opportunity, because if you write this book that they want, then eventually you can write what you want. And I said no. And everyone thought I was crazy, but again, it was following my intuition and following my knowing and following my calling and following the guidance of my spirit and my soul. And that's why I really believe if you follow that and don't compromise, you will be guided by mm -hmm. an intelligence that is bigger than your mind, bigger than your logic. It is the intelligence of life. And so I said no, and I decided from 2010 to 2015, I would go out and just create my business and my work to a whole nother level and took my work to a whole nother level and started putting on events and seminars and five, 600 people in the room and, and really built my brand and, and, and started doing it the way I envisioned in my mind. And so, 
And then I grew a lot, grew a lot, matured a lot, expanded a lot, evolved a lot. And by 2015, I think again, when something is ready, it's ready. To me, the universe doesn't give you what you want or what you pray about or what you meditate about or what you intend or what you visualize or what you would like. The universe gives you what you are. And life is a mirror manifestation of your own consciousness. And, and life is a mirror reflection of you. And so in 2015, just I felt ready. And I just felt full with knowledge and information. And just I was ripe. And naturally, one thing led to the next thing, led to the next thing, led to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And an agent showed up. And the publisher showed up. And boom, a book happened. I signed with Simon and Schuster and my first book, You Are the One Unfolded. And then again, that was a national bestseller. But after that, um, my second book unfolded in a similar way where I just kept evolving, kept expanding, kept contributing. And through the process of my life, the magic of surrender came. And it's Mm -hmm. funny because the magic of surrender, which is the latest book, um, the book I'm most passionate about, um, was not the book I thought I was going to write. I had my own intention and idea and agenda of the book I wanted to write, the book I thought I should write. And I remember uh, thinking I would be smart and intelligent. And, and, I, and I wrote on a whiteboard, uh, literally a hundred ideas of books I thought would be bestsellers and books I thought publishers would want, books I thought my audience would want. And the truth is, none of, if I was honest, none of those felt real. None of those felt authentic, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the only word that felt true of everything I wrote was the word surrender. And I knew that that was the book. And I resisted it because I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to write about that because there's so many misconceptions of surrender. And, and I had to surrender to the book about surrender. I had to surrender to the book that was seeking to be written, not just the book that I wanted to write. And and when I surrendered, like everything, all of the information, life flowed. And I and, and that's where I always say, like, when you are living in harmony with life, when you are living in harmony with the flow, when you're living in harmony with your soul, then life supports you. You're working in harmony with nature and nature supports the deepest intention of itself through you. And, and, and so that's when I think the magic happens. And that's how the second book really came about. So when we hear the word surrender, I know it can be kind of a touchy word or it can be hard for people to understand. I know I struggle with understanding it and I also struggle with doing it. Can you shed some light on what it means to surrender? In our culture, I think there's so many misconceptions about surrender. Um, I surrender to the book about surrender. And I think I'm so passionate about this idea of surrender because I really believe in my direct experience in life, in what I have lived, I really believe that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do as human beings. It's why we're here. It's why we Mm -hmm. incarnate into this human experience to surrender. Yet as human beings, what we are constantly doing for most of our lives, for reasons which we can get into, is we're constantly resisting life, resisting everything, resisting who we are, resisting our true essence, our true divinity. We're resistance machines as human beings. And so (laughs) I, I think that there's so many misconceptions about surrender, like this idea that surrender is weak, surrender is passive, that if you surrender, you're giving up. If you surrender, you're waving the white flag. If you surrender, you, 
you're going to be a doormat. You're going to be left behind. You have to sell everything and move to the Himalayas. Yeah. If you surrender, you're going to not, you're going to get less in life and you won't manifest your goals. I'm actually saying if you really understand the real essence of surrender, what if you didn't get less, but you got more? What if you actually were able to align with life so that you manifested more than you could have planned and visualized and intended with your limited human logic? And so for me, this is the opportunity and the possibility of surrender. And that's why I say surrender is the real secret to manifestation. If you look at the truly great ones, you know, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Martin Luther King, uh, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, they, they all surrendered themselves to life. Mm, they all true. surrendered themselves to God, the universe, the divine, to, to, to their souls, to their knowing, to, to that intelligence that was bigger than themselves. And, and in that, they transcended their own human limitations and they tapped into another dimension of life, a dimension of potential, and life was able to use them and move through them. And so surrender is letting go of control or the illusion of control. Mm. It is when we stop trying to force and manipulate and fit life into our limited idea of how we think it should be. Mm -hmm. It's when we let go of the idea of how we think life should be, how we think we should be, is taking the limitations off of life so that we can be available and open to allowing life to to lead us and so it's the real password for freedom is the real key to life wow that is incredible and both of those books sound like such a great way for people to get started because i think that's where people are lost right now is they don't know where to start Mm. and start hearing and listening to that intuitive voice that's working in them do you have any tips for someone who would want to like just start to tune in yeah i think you know a simple place not always an easy place but a simple practical place where people can start to transform to surrender to 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 change your one's life um i think one of the things after 20 years of working with people intensely one of the ways that i see that we stay stuck and limited are all the ways that we lie to ourselves as human beings often unconsciously often out of good intention, we have been conditioned to lie to ourselves. How do you feel? Fine. You know, what do you want? No, I don't need that. You know, we've been conditioned to be who we think we need to be in order to get love, validation, approval from our parents. We betray parts of ourselves to get love, validation, approval. So from a very young age, we're conditioned to lie to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't even know that we're lying to ourselves. We actually believe that what we feel and what we think and who we are is who we are, but it's not. And mm-hmm. so I think one place that we can start if we want to really begin transforming is not even meditation, is not even praying, is not even, is just simply start by looking at the lies that you are telling yourself. To me, this is spiritual practice because you can read all the books, you can meditate all you want, but if you're lying to yourself, none of it is going to really transform you. And so if we can just start with what lies am I telling myself? Just get really real. There is no transformation without truth. And you have to want the truth and to be free more than you want what you have. You have to want to be free more than you want what you think you want. And Mm -hmm. for me, truth is real spiritual practice. We stay in relationships that we know are not aligned. We stay in relationships where we know we're no longer in love, out of comfort, out of safety, out of familiarity, Mm -hmm. and wonder why we're miserable. Why am I not happy? When we lie to ourselves, 
It's meant to feel horrible. When we lie to ourselves, it's not meant to feel good. When we lie to ourselves, it's meant to be painful. The pain that we feel from lying to ourselves is really, it's feedback. It's a part of us speaking to us, trying to get our attention. That pain is a messenger seeking our attention so that we can course correct. And so we stay in relationships that we know aren't aligned. We work jobs that we know aren't truly the reason why we're here. And we wonder, why am I not inspired? And, and so we betray ourselves, you know, lying to ourselves again, pretending to be who we're not to get the love, validation, and approval. And so if we can just start honestly by sit, sitting with, what lies am I telling myself and getting real about that? That can begin transforming your life. Now, sometimes I think we are often afraid of telling the truth. We're often afraid of telling the truth because we're afraid. If I tell the truth, what will the consequences be to my life, to my relationship, to my career? What will the consequences be to my survival? And so the ego, with good intention, but sneaky, sometimes play this game of confusion. Like, mm, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm kind of confused. I don't know if I should stay in this relationship or I should leave one. Deep down, we know. We do. There's a part, there is a part of us that knows that we know that we know, but we're afraid to own that knowing because owning that knowing might mean we need to do something about it. And so mm -hmm. we stay in the smokescreen of confusion as a self-protective mechanism to not have to actually shift. So I tell people in the process of telling the truth, just, just start by taking the pressure off of yourself of having to take action. If you take the pressure off of yourself of having to take action, that kind of frees you up where you can say, you know, I'm no longer in love with my husband or wife. Scary. I'm nervous. But this is the truth. You don't have to break up. You don't have to make a plan. You don't have to get a divorce. But just acknowledge the truth and let the feelings marinate. You know, I hate my job. You don't have to leave, but just acknowledge the truth and let the feelings marinate because the feelings of the truth will begin an internal process inside of movement. And this is what starts mm. the process of transformation. So when you take the pressure off of yourself and taking action, you can at least start getting in touch with the truth. And you can't change something until you're honest about it. You can't change something until you start to accept what it is. So it might mm. sound like I have an alcohol problem, no judgment. Nothing wrong, but just telling yourself the truth about what is. I have mm -hmm. a certain addiction. Own it, because when you get into relationship with it, honestly, then you can begin doing something about it. And so I think everything starts with the truth. And I think that's where people can can begin. Oh, I, I love how you put that because it's you don't have to just jump in and make a change right away, but just like allowing yourself to recognize what your feelings and emotions are and the truth. And just allowing those thoughts to actually be there and not yes. push them away because that's what I like. I mean, in my personal life mm -hmm. I've done is I just push these thoughts away and then I'm miserable and I keep wondering why I'm miserable. And then I'll go from say like job to job to job yeah. and jump ship and not really resolve anything because I haven't really resolved what's in, what's in exactly. me. I've yes. only been just jumping to the next thing. Exactly. Yeah. All, you know, pain is a signal. I think in our culture today, we're not taught how to respond or be with the pain. We're mm -hmm. taught, oh, you feel pain? Take a pill. 
You feel pain, buy something. You feel pain, eat something. You feel pain, work it away, drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, smoke it away, work it, social media it away, whatever, holiday it away. Just don't deal with it. Then we suppress it and then the pain expands. And then it manifests as emotional pain, depression. Depression is often pain that has been suppressed and suppressed and suppressed and suppressed. And it builds up and it becomes to toxic energy inside of our emotional body that begins to rot inside of us. So that's often what depression can be. And so uh, it manifests as depression, low energy, not feeling inspired, the emotional pain uh, might manifest as a temporary physical ailment. Your unconscious is manifesting in some physical pain, trying to get your attention. It can manifest as some kind of ongoing disease. An ongoing disease mm. can be a way again that your body is speaking to, your unconscious is speaking to you, saying, hey, pay attention to your liver, pay attention to your neck, pay attention to something because there is a mind-body connection that we often don't pay, pay attention to. So I think if you feel pain, you can ask yourself, okay, pain, what is it that I'm not listening to? What is it that you're trying to communicate to me? And I think when we can hear that and, and, and shift that and course correct that, we can bring ourselves back into alignment you know bring ourselves back into a deeper integrity and truth and start making some changes in our lives but i think pain is a is a gift pain mm -hmm. is a friend pain is a blessing and pain is there usually for a reason that we need to pay attention to and i think if we can change our relationship to pain we can change our relationship to so many things that is 100 true and i've noticed just <clears throat> even in the last year for myself i've learned to work with the pain that i've had physical and emotional and tune into that and like say, Hey, what's going on here? What is this telling me? Where do I need to pivot? Where do I need to make a change? And what truth am I not listening to at, at this point in my life? And it, it hasn't served me wrong. And now it's like, I use it as a litmus test. If I'm, if I'm on the right path or if I need to change directions and it's so enlightening, honestly, and it's, it's so great to have this conversation and share your experiences, learning that and knowing that and how we can help other people tune into what their pains are telling them too. That's yep. huge. Can you share a time in your life that you went through something that was really, really challenging for you where maybe you had a pain that you weren't addressing and how did you tune into that and course correct? Yeah, I think, I think the, f the first time, the first one, I mean, there's been, to be honest, many, many moments in life, but that, that first one that, I think set the course of my life was when I was trying to please my father and trying to be someone that I thought he in the world wanted me to be in order to get love, validation and approval. And, and for me, the pain was so great during that four years that I knew basically if I followed the expectations of the world that I would die. Even if I didn't physically die, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would emotionally die. And I think many of us, we are emotionally dead. We are emotionally dead because we have disconnected from who we are so that we're no longer alive. We're no longer living. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to say we're zombies, but we're like living dead. And, and sometimes because, uh, because of the pain of living dead, in the pain of feeling disconnected from ourselves, because that's actually painful. Mm -hmm. We have to numb ourselves even more. And so for me, it was four years of just pain, of feeling internal conflict and turmoil and sadness mm -hmm. until I decided 
it's not worth it anymore. And that's why I finally had that that conversation with my father, you know, and, and mm -hmm. said, nothing is worth, nothing is worth my freedom and happiness. Because mm -hmm. if I don't have, see, if I don't have myself, then how can I have anything else? And if I don't have myself, or if I pretend to be someone that I'm not in order to get love, validation, and approval from, let's say, my father or somebody, mm -hmm. if that person loves me by me being someone that I think I need to be by not being myself, then even when they're loving me, it's not fulfilling for me deep down because I know deep down that they're not loving the real me. They're loving a fake, false mm -hmm. version of me. So even when they love me, it's not fulfilling. So now I've disconnected from myself, which is already painful. And mm -hmm. then even when they're loving me, I don't feel the love because I know that they're not loving me. And so it defeats the point, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and so uh, when I really saw that and felt that, that's when I had to course correct and say, I have to speak the truth no matter what the risk. Mm -hmm. I have to speak the truth no matter what the cost because the cost that I'm living of living something that I'm not, it's too painful. And so that was yeah. the, 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 I mean, there've been many, many, many moments along the way, but, but, but for me, I think because like that first moment was doing, at least the big moment was doing it with my father. After that, it freed me up a lot because mm -hmm. it was like, damn, I've, the person I wanted the most love from my father, I've already disappointed him. I've already let him down. And so, you know, not that other people didn't seem like a big deal, but but because I had like confronted this major monster in my psyche, my father, mm -hmm. um, it was a bit easier when it came to the world and being who I was. Cause I'd like, I've already dealt with, I've already faced my father. And yeah. so facing someone else didn't feel as scary as that. That really brings up a good point of like something that I encourage others to do and it's when you face something that is really big and you conquer that challenge and you survive that challenge and you're freed of that, it makes it so yeah. much easier. And you can tune back into that experience when you're facing the next challenge and say, hey, I've already faced something extremely challenging. I can handle this X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And like you can use that as kind of a growth point to catapult yourself into mm -hmm. finding success in that over and over again. Mm -hmm. yep absolutely absolutely how can people start doing this today what are like now there's this awareness what are some next steps to take action i would say look stop but if you start telling the truth to yourself your life is going to change bottom line the yeah. truth will set you free if you if mm -hmm. all you did was you started telling the radical truth to yourself and you did that consistently mm -hmm. so many of the things that you're praying about meditating about, going to church about, going to therapy about, would this, would start unraveling themselves and mm -hmm. dissolve. If you started telling the truth to yourself and those around you, you would start losing a lot of friends that aren't aligned that are causing problems in your life and, and would, would start falling out of your life. Mm -hmm. And that would start making space for real authentic connections. And so I really believe that truth is the foundation of where to start. I would say start there and then ask yourself, okay, get a sense of a vision for your life and what you envision to live, feel what that is and, and ask yourself, well, who, who do I need to become? 
And I would say you can make a list. Like, who, who do I need to become in order to create that? Because life doesn't give you what you want. Life is a mirror manifestation of your consciousness. You are not in relationship with life. You're in relationship with yourself manifest in your life. If you don't like what you see, don't point the finger at life, change yourself. So the other thing I think people can do is the willingness to take, if you want to change your life, take profound responsibility. Responsibility and give up any sense. It's not easy but give up sense of victim consciousness. Life is happening mm. to me. The government's doing it to me. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen we do is we kind of like waiting for someone to fix it. Yeah. Our parents are going to fix it. The government's going to fix it. Mm -hmm. The first line in my first book, and I had to realize this the hard way, is no one is coming. Yeah. No one is coming to save you. No Santa Claus, not the Easter Bunny, no one. Mm -hmm. Life, God has given each of us, I believe, the power to save ourselves. And so to truly make a shift, we have to take responsibility for our lives, for where we're at. And when we take responsibility, that's when we have the power to change. And I think that can be incredibly empowering because mm -hmm. we take our power back, you know? And so I think even just the truth and responsibility and the willingness to say, I'm responsible for my life. It sounds simple, but in so many ways, we don't live that way. You know, we don't really live that way. The other thing, you know, that people can start doing is looking at every day what small things can they do. Transformation isn't just a huge thing that happens once in a while, go to a seminar, have this thing. Transformation is a process. Transformation is the small daily choices that you make day in, day out, day mm -hmm. in, day out. And sometimes we think it's the big things, but it's the small things that we do each and every day. The small choices that we make each and every day, the small choice that in the moment we make them don't seem to make a big difference. In the moment we don't make them don't seem to make a big difference, but compounded over time, put us in a whole different reality. And so I would say, look at the small choices that you make day in, day out, that don't seem to make a difference because they will, they yeah. will. It's the choices you make every day. And so focus on just the small, just start, do the small thing. Do the small yeah. thing. I love that. That is so true. Yeah, the little things compound. And yeah, this has been an incredibly inspiring conversation. I would love to connect the audience with you. Can you share anything, any social handles, websites? Sure, sure. yeah. Um, I think some of the best ways is check out the book, The Magic of Surrender. You can simply find it on Amazon. I think it's on sale right now. Amazon, get the paperback version, The Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. It is a very simple roadmap to mm -hmm. helping you live your truth and transform your life in every area and live surrender in every mm -hmm. area. Um, also, twice a year, I do a very special event. Uh, it's in Bali. And so if someone is inspired by the conversation and if you are... Perhaps you're, you're tired of attracting the same things. Perhaps you are ready to truly heal and transform and let go of old patterns. You're ready to connect to the true essence of your power. You're ready to share your gifts with the world and mm -hmm. maybe live the purpose for where you were born. Uh, twice a year, I do this event. It's called Boundless Bliss. For the last 10 years, I've done 20 of these events, two a year, and they're truly life-changing. It's a 12-day experiential seminar training without walls in Bali, where mm. I create a 
step-by-step process that is designed to help, let's say, uncondition you. Uh, people can find out more at www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. Uh, this is my last year doing the event in 2023. So I'm doing two events this year, the final events. The next one is July the 28th till August the 8th. That is the next event. So if you feel inspired, go to the website, Boundless Bliss Bali, and apply. Uh, my main website, Coop Blackson. Um, the Instagram is Coop Blackson. Facebook, Coop Love Now. My podcast is Soul Talk. Uh, connect with me there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Kuta. This has been incredible. And I love to hear this. And it just helps me fuel myself on my journey as well as everybody listening. So I'll definitely add your books to my Amazon favorite books. And yeah, thank you so much. And have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you again next time.